listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Um, can I pray? We're going to continue on with part C of message four. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you know the drill. However, what a, gr- what a great morning so far. Man, Jocelyn, that song was awesome. And not, not just the song was awesome, but the delivery, that confidence, that declaration. It's like a, uh, just so cool to be in a family uh, with so many young people. Anybody? For us older guys, it's exciting to see so many young people in our church family. And to not just doing well, but to thriving. Like thriving. Standing up with confidence and leading, not intimidated that they're 16 or 17 years old, but leading like they're 30 or 40 years old. Amen? Like they've been doing it their whole lives. And in reality, they, it's because they have already. So, and I tip my hat to Jay, who would know the trivia today. Yeah. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Let my heart be like fresh, dark soil that would receive the truth of the word of God. Pray, Lord. Your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide, will, as the word is planted into my heart, will also take the rake and pull out some of the stuff that doesn't belong in the soil of my heart. I thank you again, Lord, for so many young people and so many young lives just starting out. Lord, when you capture their hearts at a young age, they miss so much of the, of the, of the entrappings of the world that are out there, and they get to plant into you. And they get to grow like that, as Corey described, become a part of that root system in that tree that produces amazing fruit for their entire lives. And so we thank you for the effectiveness of this local church and your church in general. We pray, Lord, that today as we talk about some, some cultural topics, we talk about kingdom topics, but we focus still on some of the attacks that took place in the garden that are so, so similar to the, the specific attacks that happened today. You'll help, especially our our students, our young adults, to really see what's at play here, to see the vicious attack, not just the whisper of a snake to a woman, but an all-out attack of kingdom against kingdom. We pray, God, that as they hear those whispers in their ear, that they'll know that these are attacks for their future, against their future, and they will fight the good fight, they will prevail, and they will overcome. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Amen. You can go ahead and give the Lord a hand as you're seated. High five the person next to you, and it is good to be in God's house. How many of you saw the flurries coming down on your way here? But you came anyways. I mean, Snowmageddon, that's basically probably News Channel 8 is probably doing a eight-part documentary series right now, docuseries, on the amazing snowfall that happened this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't listen to whole much, a whole lot of normal news. Just gotten to the point where the news is not the news, and just because they're reporting it doesn't make it uh, news. Um, anyways, let me, <laughs> let me move on. All right, so Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, we're still on this one particular verse, and we haven't really, we haven't dove in, divin, dived, whichever, it, into the deep end of our, of our series yet. We've kind of got stuck on this idea of the kingdom being under attack, and we read Jesus' words talking in the New Testament, but looking all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where he makes a comment from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. And that word violence really is, it's a very forceful behavior intended to hurt or damage or kill someone or something. 
And normally we wouldn't associate that word with the kingdom of heaven because our modern culture has painted Jesus as a burlap sack wearing poor guy with a pair of, you know, uh, borrowed sandals throwing petals like he's some sort of in some sort of uh, wedding ceremony so that we can all walk on these beautiful petals. And yet Jesus was an incredibly strong man. And from a kingdom perspective, while he was gentle and loving, he was very forceful in his delivery, very forceful in his interactions with darkness. He was very forceful in his interactions with false doctrine. When he walks into the temple and he begins to flip over the tables, okay, he's making a statement. This house is the house of God. This is a house of prayer, not a place for you to, to upcharge on the, the difference between the Roman coins of today, because that's what was going on. There was a, a temple monetary system, but they were under the occupation of Rome, so people would bring in their coins from Rome, and the, the priests were charging an upcharge, a huge upcharge, in order for people to be able to buy sacrifices. So in a sense, they were charging for the forgiveness of God. And how many of you know the forgiveness of God can't be purchased? It's been, well, it already was purchased by Jesus, amen? amen. And so Jesus was, uh, in a sense, act functioning violently, not against people, but against a kingdom trying to impose its will upon the true kingdom of God. As we've gone through this, we've studied several, we've studied five of the seven violent attacks that you will already see in scripture. And on that slide reveals the first five that we went through, the attack on in the beginning God, which is the violent attack against the reality of God and his kingdom. And that goes on in every, every gosh, at this point, grade school practically, all the way up to colleges, to, to social media, to culture. Um, the violent attack against the reality of God. God is made to, trusting God is made to look as something that's a weakness or stupidity or a fairy tale. Um, and yet the reality of God's impact upon our world, just look around. I mean, um, intelligent design reveals that God created this on purpose for purpose. The, the mathematical impossibilities of evolution are astounding, and yet we hear chants of follow the science, follow the science. I am, and you're wrong. Just have no problem saying it. You're, you're completely wrong uh, to say that um, evolution... Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some changes in the modification of animals and plants and people. We are taller than we've really ever been, except for in the really Old Testament. Some of that is just because of access to good food, but now it's beginning to shift here in the United States as we eat more and more and more and more and more processed food. We're now beginning to shrink, and our lives are being cut short. But within the kingdom of God... Uh, we see the intelligent design of God, how he's created us. And when we, we live well, we honor God. When we fight for his best, also we have longer lives and we live healthier lives. And we can see that even in science. Number two, and God said, let there be. And there was a violent attack by the snake against the creative work of God to establish heaven here on earth. The kingdom of heaven is not for after you die. The kingdom of heaven is after you die to self right here on earth and you begin to follow Jesus. And so that's what Jesus came to reveal, that you don't have to wait till heaven to experience heaven. Heaven is established here on earth when you say yes to him. Uh, number three attack was he said to the woman, and we leaned into the violent attack against God's apostolic representatives of his kingdom who were intended to take ground from the other kingdom. He went after Eve first and he deceived her, but also thereby went after Adam. And in winning the victory over them, he, for a moment, stopped the movement forward of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And so that was what his intent was. He wasn't trying to get her to eat a piece of fruit. 
That wasn't the issue. He was trying to stop that impact of apostles on the earth to expand the kingdom of heaven. That's why I get so excited about seeing our students going off to the conference this week and to watch God's impact on their lives because the kingdom is advancing in their lives, but because the kingdom has advanced in their lives, the kingdom will advance through their lives in the lives of their friends and family. And some of, our, some of the students that are in this room right now weren't here two years ago. Why? How, what happened? Well, somebody in this room, the kingdom of heaven began to bubble up within them. They got a vision for what God wanted to do through them. And so they began to invite friends to be a part of God's kingdom. And while some said no, others have said yes. That's a beautiful thing. Number four, uh, the attack against, did God actually say? That's the attack against reading God's word, possessing God's word, declaring God's word. And last week, I believe, or maybe it's two weeks ago, we talked about the incredible supernatural nature of the word of God. Not like any other book. People want to pull down the word of God onto the level of other books. But when you really study the history, there's no other book like this book. And you can go ahead, if you didn't hear that message, go back and read it. The notes are there uh, from last week. Number five that we, we covered last week also was God created man in his image, both male and female. That's something that Jesus reiterated. And we're seeing an attack against that in modern day, but it's bigger than just a gender discussion. It's an identity discussion. It's the discussion of God has created you on purpose, for purpose, and yet everything pushed into people in our culture is that you are not enough. And, and we know without the grace of God, we're not. However, in the grace of God, God pulls out of you who he's called you to be and what he's called you to be. And he doesn't need something from the outside to accomplish that. He doesn't need to change anything in, in who you are in bodily form. He needs you to believe what he has said and so that he can unlock your future as you trust him with the truth of God that he's declaring over you. So let's jump into number six and number seven today. And again, I know that these are culturally um, maybe uh, hot topics, but they're just plain and bold in God's word. And so I just stand up not expressing my opinion this morning. I just want to deliver God's word to you. And I would say especially to our students and our young adults, if you will buy into the truth of the word of God, you will get to where you're going faster, quicker, more effectively, more fruitfully. You'll bypass all of the potholes on the way if you will trust God's word. There's a big difference in our lives. And I've preached on this a while back, but there are some people who hear God's word and they are rejectors of God's word. I mean, they're on the far, this far side of the platform where they're like, they hear the word of God. They actually agree that it's God's word and say, no, I don't want the word of God. I want something different. Then we have a group of people that are unbelievers. They hear the word of God and like, I'm not so sure that's really true, right? And so in, in, in every case, we preach the word of God, hopefully to reach everybody. This unbeliever is someone who's not yet convinced. Hang around for a while if you're an unbeliever. God will prove his word to you without a doubt. It'll just happen. But over here, then there's people who are believers of God's word. They, they've heard God's word but, and they believe it. However, when the rubber hits the road, they don't act upon it because acting upon it costs something. I mean, Eve and Adam, they believed the word of God, but they, in their believing, they were able to be deterred from the word of God due to circumstances. God said, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will what? You will die. You'll truly die. And she believed that. He believed that. But when the moment came where someone whispered in their ear and said, you know what? You, you actually... You won't die, and there are some good reasons to eat the fruit. 
And so everything that I'll talk about, the two points this morning, there are some good reasons that you could argue with against what I'll preach. But I want to tell you that they will lead you the same place they led Adam and Eve. Because they're right out of God's word. There's a difference between believing and then following. This is, this is the point of not only do I believe it to be true, but my conviction says I can do nothing else but the word of God. It says that I, I know that it will feel like losing when I say I'm all in with the word of God, but I know for a fact that I will win because I trust God over the lies that are being whispered in my ear. So number six, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I love this portion of scripture. There is a violent attack against covenantal marriage in the world today. It's not just today. It's been going on for a long time, but we're watching the numbers of marriage drop down and how long people wait to get married and how many times people have been married. Those numbers have changed radically in the last 50 years of our nation. And there is an all-out attack against, and I'll say it again, covenantal marriage. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But certainly as I was turning 18 years old and living in at that time in the 80s, I had a real, real direct conversation with my parents about marriage. And I said, why on earth would I get married? It makes no sense to me. And, and of course, I'm coming out of a background where my parents' marriage was challenged. And in my mind, I watched people in our family get divorced. And uh, I just watched all that they went through. And I had kind of formulated in my mind, what's the, you know, the best thing you could do is probably live together, figure out, does this thing work? And then once you decide that it works, I guess go ahead and you know, get, get married. And that's what I was arguing with my parents. Now, it's amazing the moment I experienced the true and living God. I didn't, wasn't preached a message on marriage. I didn't hear anybody teach on the topic, but it was really bizarre that for me, that whole thing immediately shifted within me and I recognized, no, 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 God's way is someday I'm going to get married. And until that point in time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pure, I'm gonna live for God, I'm not gonna get engaged, I'm not gonna get involved with sexuality because it's, it, God doesn't, God's got better for me than some substitute like this fruit that the enemy pointed out to Eve. Okay, I got like two nods and maybe a partial amen. <laughs> and my argument with my parents, it was coming out of, my understanding, but then there's spiritual understanding that God will begin to give you as you begin to follow after him. And for me, it just shifted immediately, not because, again, anybody preached it or it wasn't the teachings of the church, although our last tenets of our teachings deal with this issue. Um, it was a shift because I just wanted what God had. And what I'd say to everyone inside of this room, no matter who walks into this room, everyone is welcome and we'll receive everyone and love everyone, but we will not celebrate things that are against the scriptures, and we will stand before you in a loving way and always teach the word of God. The reason why is because my belief would have caused me to drown. I can assure you if I pursued what I thought was the best way to live, like Eve did, I would have been drowning. And the last thing I need to be here is uh, people standing on the edge of the, of, the, of the lake saying, you're doing a good job, we're there for you, way to go while I'm drowning. Actually, if I'm drowning, I would need somebody to say, you're drowning. It's true, right? And to put their hand out and offer a hand out, the hand of truth that brings stability to the circumstance. And so anytime that we preach on a topic like this, I just want to be able to declare God's truth. And I, want to, I will tell you that it, it will bless your life and it will help you to avoid so many things that otherwise 
would get on your life in ways that are not helpful. Man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Yeah, there's been always an ongoing um, draw towards free sexuality. Back, but back in the 50s, in my parents' day, there was a fear that kept people on the straight and narrow. Not, not everyone, but there was a fear of pregnancy. And so people didn't engage in free sexuality because they were afraid of pregnancy, but then introduce contraception, and all of a sudden now there's this a little bit more promiscuousness. But when I, as I was growing up, then the new thing in the 80s became AIDS. And so everybody was afraid to get involved physically because of either pregnancy or now AIDS, but certainly all t- types of contraception became available to everybody of all ages. Now they're handing them out, you know, no matter where you go. But I will tell you something that there is something to be more concerned about. And yes, fear God, but I want to show you something in Scripture that should, should make you very concerned about free sexuality. 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 16 through 19 says, or do you not know that he who is joined to, it says a prostitute here, but I'll say to anyone. Do you not know that he who is joined to someone else becomes one body with her or him? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit, so flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is intended to be or is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Now, I will say this. This is just a warning to you. While you might get engaged with sexual activity with someone and think that you are only walking away with an an experience, when you engage with someone else on that type of level, the type of spiritual activity that is taking place in their life now has a gateway into your life. That's the warning here out of Scripture. I watch as teenagers, it's been pretty bizarre being a youth pastor for so many years, watching teenagers slip up and think, think at times, well, this is something I can certainly have forgiveness from God for, and that's true, and this is certainly something I can overcome, which is true. But I wanna tell you that there are some sins open the gateway for darker forces to have access into our lives. Right now, as a country, we, we understand that we have a border crisis. There's a breach in our border. And regardless of where you stand on that issue, it has invited people with nefarious purposes into our nation because we don't know who is coming in. And what I would tell you is that person that you're attracted to, that you're looking at, and what you see with your eyes, there is an element of them that you cannot see with your eyes. And while they might not have any harmful intentions for you, the things that have impacted their life, that they carry with them, that they might not even realize When you engage in sinful activity with them, you actually unintentionally open the gateway to yourself. And I've watched students shift on a dime, go from being doing really, really well, and now you look at them and it's like, what is going on with that? Something has shifted in them. And I remember when I was a younger youth pastor, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but now I could see it quite clearly. And sometimes they unintentionally have invited a, a stronghold into their life, an influence into their life that was onboarded to them by other people. And I know some of you might think, well, this all sounds crazy. Just read the Bible a little bit. You'll find in Jesus' dealing with people, while everybody needed forgiveness, there's a whole lot of people that needed healing 
and being set free from demonic activity. How does demonic activity come into a person's house or person's life? It's not like some of the shows where it's living in the cupboard waiting to jump out on you. It's where you, like Eve, have listened to something that is contrary to the word of God and you've actually opened up the gate and something comes in. And I don't know about you, we have this tendency to think, well, I can manage the sin that I'm dealing with. I can, I can work this out. I can keep things in place and I can repent. I've, I've heard more teenagers say this, well, what's the big deal? I can ask God to forgive me and he will forgive me. You are absolutely right. But once you've invited something into your life that latches on, you might walk in forgiveness, but you will not walk in freedom until that thing is dealt with. Now, thank God, I don't want you to hear all negative stuff because when we discern that, man, we get on that and we pray that thing off of you and it has to be released. It's funny, I, I deal with a lot of property management and uh, have had rentals through the years and properties that I bought and sold. I was, uh, and so it's no, it was funny that popped up into my feed. There was this card for a service offered to rental companies who have rental properties and it was a cleansing uh, card so that you could invite these spiritual gurus into your home and they would, they would measure the spiritual activity in your house and they would measure you know, the aura and they would, they would bring about a cleansing somehow. I was just dying laughing. For 100 bucks, you could have the demons kicked out of your house. Listen, the demons don't live in people's houses. They attach themselves to people's lives. That's the issue. And I'm not saying there can't be some bad things that have, have happened in a house that uh, certainly have an impact on that. But all you have to do is walk in Jesus, rise up and understand your authority, and you push that stuff back, no problem. Are you, look me in the eye, no problem, zero problem. Once you rise up in your authority and understand who you are, even if you've been guilty of sin, you begin to realize that God has given me all authority to overcome demons that would come against my life. Just be very aware of that. The worst thing that can happen to you is not that you would get pregnant or end up with a disease. This is far worse, and that's even a short from robbing yourself of the better future that God has for you in your life. Amen? Okay. So um, guard your sexuality. You only have that gift to give one time or at least after you've given it away and you come to know Jesus, you can make up your mind that from this point, I'm going to wait until I give this to the person who says, I do in a covenantal marriage ceremony, okay? Go a little bit there in a second. Also, we have in our, our, uh, our culture just this, this real down, this negative talk about marriage. Guy gets engaged. Oh, man, why do you want a ball and chain? Listen, my wife is the farthest thing from a ball and chain. In fact, you find a, a, a good wife or a good husband, it's your catapult into the best future, I'm not saying that everybody has to get married to have that because the Bible speaks to that. But there's no ball and chain. There's no restriction. In fact, I found it to be nothing short of what Proverbs 18.22 says. He who finds a good wife or he who finds a wife finds a good thing and he obtains favor from the Lord. Which means that, yes, God's blessing me as a single guy, but when I come into a covenantal marriage with my wife, God dumps some extra stuff into our life that neither of us would experience without it and it shoots us into our better future. Get excited at the idea of people getting married. It's a good thing. Chance says, amen. You should have been running the aisles. This would be your chance to get really Pentecostal chance. Mary's, or, um, Abby's glad that you, you, uh, you were subdued to a degree, but you cheered loud. Okay, so um, also, not, I want to say this for your understanding. 
Don't get involved in arguments about marriage when we're not talking about the same thing. Well, that's not, God doesn't approve of that marriage. It's not the marriage that the Bible's talking about. The Bible talks about covenantal marriage. And there are all types of civil unions that everybody's freaking out about, and I, I understand that, and we want rule of law and everything, but listen, you're arguing parking tickets against manslaughter. They're, they're, they're totally separate things. That wasn't a good example. However, what I'm trying to describe to you is that a true biblical marriage is between two people and God. And not everybody's doing that. And that's why we as a church, we don't do weddings. You'll not find it on our website. We don't advertise that. Do I personally do weddings? Yes, I do. But it's not any place in scripture that you will read that it's the church's job to do that. Although every wedding on every TV show, regardless of who's getting married, happens a lot of times in a church, right? But a true covenantal marriage is between three entities, not two. And I just will not do a wedding if the two aren't connecting to the one. Now, there are some times when I will use that opportunity for two people who don't know the one to try to lead them to the one, or two people who are not really walking with the one to make things right, for sure. I have no problem doing that. But if people are not interested in a relationship with God, why am I going to be involved? I mean, my job as a man of God is to grab on to God in the house of God and help the people of God follow after his will. I'm not some kind of um, Las Vegas preacher guy who makes 75 bucks off of a wedding dressed up in an Elvis suit. I was down in, uh, this was so bizarre, our kids were younger. We, we decided to go check out Voodoo Donuts down in Portland. I did not know it's not only is Portland a different planet, this is a different planet altogether in the solar system of Portland. We walk in and there is a wedding taking place and a guy dressed in a bear suit is performing a wedding in the middle of the donut shop. And in the name of Kenny Rogers, Voodoo Donuts and all other things, he now pronounced them man and wife. Man and wife. Okay, don't let me, I'm not gonna get going on that for those of you who recognize that reference. Man and wife. Marriage. That's what brings us together today. Marriage. That blessed event, a dream within a dream. Marriage. Some of you are like, what is going on? <laughs> um, and I thought to myself, and look, there's, there's some empathy because people don't know what they don't know. But when I got married, and I think when Rowena got married, I'm hoping it's the case, I was making a promise to her and a promise to God. In fact, it wasn't just promises, it was a covenant, and more than a promise, a commitment for life that I will do this with you and I will do this with you as you do this with him and do this with me, together. And that's biblical marriage. That is a different thing than what we're seeing going on in the world today. And so I'm not really as worried about what's going on in the world. What I'm more concerned about is believers not understanding that this is a covenant. It is an amazing, beautiful moment. Jesus died so that I could have more than just a handshake agreement with another person. Jesus gave his life so that I could give my life for my wife and my wife could give her life for me. And in walking with him, we can experience what he has for our lives. 
And that is the type of marriage that the Bible really covers. Don't get involved with the other arguments. They're just a waste of time. And you're not going to convince anybody until they meet him. And when they meet him, you won't have to convince anybody because they'll be all in on him. And they'll begin to pursue the things that he has. You know, we read in Mark chapter uh, 10, verse 7 through 9, you'll notice that it's a three-way agreement because even Jesus speaking about, you know, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one. Therefore, and here's the key, what God has joined together, not what a judge has joined together, not what some guy in an Elvis tuxedo or, or a bear suit at Voodoo Donuts has joined together, but what God has joined together. And I would say, make that your mark for those of you who are not married, that you look forward to the day where I don't just get married, but I'm joined together with someone else by God. That's an amazing thing. And I've been involved with some amazing weddings. I always love when people are like, Pastor Steve, will you marry us? Sorry, I'm already taken. I'm not available. Oh, you too want to, I love to, I love, you don't think that's funny? It's like a dad joke. Pastor Steve, will you marry us? Eh, I'm not really into that. Thank you, no. (laughs) But I have been involved with many moments where God has joined people together. Some of you in this room. Some of, some of the weddings that have happened in this room and other places. I've done weddings in gyms. I've done weddings out at other, other spaces, places. And it's always amazing to watch two people to come together and to grow when they're connected to him. There's a lot of other verses that I could read to you. You know, Proverbs talks about two can defend one another, two can keep each other warm. And then the final, the final verse of Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And it's that picture of God being involved with the other two cords, making it marriage. I would not want to try to work out marriage without God involved. Just wouldn't. And and I I was correct when I told my parents, what would be the point? At least for me, not serving God, I don't know what the point would be, but there's so much excitement in a relationship with God that I don't have to work this out in my own wisdom or my own ability. You can help me. And because she's walking with him, I've got this confidence. We have this agreed upon foundation that we can navigate together because there's no way if I follow him and she follows him that there's anything that we'll face that we can't overcome together. Okay, let me move on to number seven just so I can finish because I have four minutes left because I don't want to do part 4D, all right? Okay, uh, verse seven, the other attack that's in the garden that we see in our, our uh, culture today, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The command given to Adam and Eve, and today there's a violent attack against procreation as defined for kingdom purposes. And this attack comes in all sorts of disguises, but ultimately, this is one of the most violent attacks of all the attacks that you will see. It's a violence focused on the future apostles that God wants to have on this planet before they ever even step onto the planet. And the attack is brutal, it's vicious. We talked uh, in another series about the, the, the reality of Jesus making it to his 25th birthday uh, I can't remember what the statistical numbers are, but it's like 
30% of people who are conceived never make it to their 25th birthday. And so the attack against the apostolic impact, you being a messenger from God on this earth to accomplish God's will is definitely under attack. And certainly the enemy likes to focus on ending it before it begins. This attack certainly is, uh, can come uh, in the form of miscarriage. And it's very sad. And some of you have been through this and we've walked through this with you. And there's times where you're silent and quiet about it. And because you, um, I think back in, the, back in the 70s, in fact, Pastor Phil, the leader of C3 Global, um, Pastor Chris's wife, back in the 70s, she went through a, a miscarriage before any of her other kids were born. And she wrote a book about it that's beautiful. I, I listened to uh, an audio portion. I was, I was a mess. I was snot running down on there. It was just, uh, just tore up. Me and Rowena, when we decided, you know, let's, let's, we, we wanted to have kids because we thought they would be cute, the combination of the two. So let's, let's find out. We were 22, or we were 24. We didn't have health insurance. <laughs> we did it anyways. And uh, of course, Leslie was born C-section. The bill was, I don't know, $10,000, $11,000 back then, which is like $5 million now. We never regretted it. We love Leslie. We like to keep her around. She's pretty, pretty awesome person. Um, where was I going with that? Shout out Leslie. I just got lost in that. Um, but, but it was almost effortless. I think, I think 30 days later after trying, we were, we were, Rowena was pregnant. And we've never personally been through a miscarriage, but we've watched many people go through that type of devastation. And I, I, it's the devil, no question. That's a life, that's a human being. God knits people together in their mother's wombs from the very moment of conception. It's not just a biological act, it's a supernatural act that God is involved with. It's a beautiful thing. And I know that there could be some reasons why this would be really hard for some people. Oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting this. But the reality is that is still the working of God. And when someone has a miscarriage, our heart breaks with them and we pray with them. I recommend get a copy of that book. It's so encouraging. Someday, mom, dad, someday you will meet that child. No doubt about it. And what joy to know what you were involved with. And while the enemy struck a blow, the celebration of being reunited with someone in your, in your life. Now, we certainly know that there are, uh, another impact is abortion. And I realize that in this room, probably, disclaimer, there are some of you who, at some point in your life, you made a decision to have, a mis- or to have a, uh, an abortion. I want you to know we love you, and we don't, I don't hold that against you. And I want you to know there's grace and forgiveness with God. And we would want you to find a place where you experience the forgiveness of God for that, your involvement with that. But make no mistake about it, that is a life that has been breathed into existence by God. And in the forgiveness of God, what I will tell you, mom, dad, you'll be reunited with that child someday and there will be grace poured upon your life. Um, Hear me for a minute. If you're in the room and you carry around the weight of unforgiveness for this, there is forgiveness for you today. You've got to know that. There are some horrendous things that all of us have done, and all of them have been paid for on the cross by Jesus. Amen. 
But, you know, abortion is our modern-day Moloch worship. When you read in the Old Testament about people sacrificing their children, you read about Moloch, and Moloch is this giant stone-fashioned god who squats down like this, and his arms are extended, and they would take their child, and they would place their child on the fingertips of that god while the fire was stoked in the belly, and that child would roll down the arms into the belly of that beast. And there's one reason why they did it to garner the favor of their life. They were looking for a better life and somehow they believed the lie that by doing this, your life will be better. And it is the same lie that abortion offers to people who are pregnant. Your life will be better by ending this. And I wanna tell you that it won't be. It's a lie. It will not be. You are making a deal with someone who will not pay up. In fact, you will deal with the, the, the weight of that afterwards. And so I want to challenge you. If you deal with somebody who's going through that, who's participated in that, the grace of God is what they need. Because they've bought into a lie. How many of you have bought into a lie at some point in your life? Had I been in that situation, I promise you, I would have done that in a heartbeat as a teenager. I don't say that proudly, but I know who I was. I know what I believed without question. I'm too young. I can't afford this. Just because I made one mistake, my life shouldn't be over. And yet we have people in this room that they made a mistake and they recognize their life wasn't over. And there's a beautiful child in this world. There's some amazing stories right in this room of people who said, in spite of this being difficult, I will do the will of God. And they have. There's also some other lies out there. Uh, having kids is viewed as negative. Large families are mocked when traditionally they were celebrated. There's the lies that the earth can't support all of these people. It's ridiculous. It's stuff everybody into the state of Texas that live in the planet right now, and I think there's something like everybody would have an acre. I realize we have billions of people on the earth. Do you understand that where the more people there are, actually the infrastructure has gotten better and has been able to take care of people in a much better fashion? In fact, we're at risk of a population implosion. You and I are going to be like 85 years old and there's not going to be any, anybody to work. That's what most nations are facing. China faces that right now, that you can only have one child. They've switched that around real quick. Why? because they're all now in their 60s and 70s, and there are no children to take care of the population. How about the idea that what kind of person would bring a child into this evil world and all the suffering? That's why we bring children in this world, to raise men and women of God, so they push back the darkness. You train up a child in the way that they should go, and then they become violent on behalf of the kingdom, not violent towards people, they can become violent for the kingdom of heaven. We've got some violent young adults in this room. They get violent in their prayer time. They get violent in their worship time. And all of the darkness trembles. Without them, the, the darkness takes over. Everybody doesn't have to be a believer. You'll find that to affect a group, you just need about three in a group of 100 to change the direction of that group. We've got more than three students in this room who love Jesus and who are changing the world around them. Okay, worship team, come up, so I'll finish, all right? Um, also the lie that you can't afford that. I can never afford the will of God. 
I have never, ever been able to afford the will of God. To do the will of God is expensive. I can never afford to tithe. I can never afford to give. Forget tithe. I can never afford to give. I can never afford to tithe. I can never afford to give it, be involved with vision builders. I can never afford the first child. And yet I had two more. And if it hadn't been because, you know, we're limited medically, we'd probably have 25 kids. <laughs> right, sweetheart? But since we weren't able to, Steve and Mary have taken over and they're going to have 25. And we celebrate that right now. Yeah. Remember, Mary, when we had the first one, however are we going to pay for this? And you're still wondering, as a fourth child is about to show up, and yet, really weird, God always funds his will. Always. I know families got 10, 12 kids in modern, yes, in modern day. Shocking. You know that that used to be a sign of great strength. When you read the Bible, it talks about a man's strength is determined by the number of arrows in his quiver. And it wasn't talking about arrows, it was talking about children. Let's not buy into what the world says about having children. Children are a blessing from God. They're not a hassle. And while we don't let them run up here on the platform because we're afraid they'll fall into the screen and be you know, electrocuted or, or fall off the platform, We'd love to have them up in the front. And mom, dad, we're not nervous about that. It's so cool watching Isaac up here and, and, you know, jumping around since, he, since Isaac was little, little. And up here running around, singing the songs, worshiping God. Some churches back, hey, get him, get, get, get that kid back. Get him out of here. Not happening here. I mean, we might need to pull him off the stage from doing cartwheels during worship. It's a little distracting. But that kid who's, you, you remember that it was Moses, he was intrigued when he saw a bush burning. And God captured his heart. And when our kids come in and watch our, our kids, when our kids watch our kids, yeah. you tracking with me? Because yeah. that's where they were at one point. I've got pictures to prove it. We stand with me? There's an attack don't buy into it. Do not buy into it. God is real. His word is true. Amen? He's got a great future for you. He's got good things through you to the world. I'm going to believe God and everyone else will be a liar unless they agree with God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning the opportunity to say yes to you and your word, your truth. We're so grateful to be in your house. We thank you for the truth that's settled in the word. God, I pray just a wave of grace, a wave of forgiveness over anybody in the room this morning who has participated in some of the things that we've talked about. Just about all of us have been impacted by it in some way. Our families certainly have. Lord, my, my heart is not to bring um, guilt or condemnation. It's, it's to open the door to receive grace. Father, we don't tiptoe around your word. We declare your word, but your word invites us. Come whoever will. Come and receive the grace, the grace, the grace of God, the forgiveness. Jesus, I love, before you healed people, you forgave them. It's probably they needed healing because of their sin in a lot of cases. 
Her anxieties and their fears and their struggles had been onboarded because they engaged in sin. They opened the gate for the enemy. And with that came a whole lot of add-ons that they didn't expect. Father, I pray for your grace to flow abundantly upon your people, upon our young adults, our students especially, upon anybody who's found themselves not in the biblical relationship that they needed to be or, or doing something other than being fruitful and multiplying. We pray, God, just a grace, forgiveness. Holy Spirit, I ask you as we sing this last song that maybe some who have been struggling with forgiveness to be able to experience that supernaturally, supernaturally, like a transaction happening in, in their very soul, not an emotional thing, not a hype up, not, a, not just a speaking of truth, but a supernatural washing away in a sense that I'm forgiven because we are. Jesus, I thank you for that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 